Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars the Podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. My name's Blake, and I'm here with the greatest host in the galaxy. First, we have the ever-elusive Grant. How's it going? The funny one, Wesley. I'm glad I'm the funny one and not like the single one. What's up, dorks? <laughs> the commentator, Andrew Bantapudu. And our own Jedi Archive, Diedrich. Hello. So, we are all jazzed. This week, May the 4th, we got the premiere of The Bad Batch. We are recording on Friday, May the 7th, so we have all just seen the second episode of The Bad Batch. Later on in the episode, we're going to be bringing you our full breakdown of the premiere and the second episode. It's going to be awesome. But first... Before we get to all that, we have a bunch of Star Wars news to get to. So, now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. So, on May the 4th, Lego released a pretty cool uh, Lego set for the Bad Batch. They took the uh, Bad Batch attack shuttle, more commonly known as the Havoc Marauder, and have made a Lego set. And in the set, you get all five of the Bad Batch and a Gonk Droid. Some land speeders too, right? Is there land speeders? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it comes with some land speeders, I thought. Land speeders? But I wanted power converters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it came with land speeders uh, off the top of my head. I, I, didn't, I did not type that in my notes. But maybe some land speeders. So you have... The Havoc Marauder, you have all five of the Bad Batch characters, you have a Gonk Droid, and possibly some Land Speeders. Two Land Speeders. Two, possibly two Land Speeders. Looking at it right now. Okay, so you definitely have two Land Speeders. 100%. Well, I don't know if they're Land Speeders, but they look like them. It's two different types, and they don't look like anything from, like, a New Hope. So you have two Speeders of some kind. Thank you, Lego. So, Thrawn Ascendancy, The Greater Good, the second book in the current Thrawn trilogy, came out uh, last week, I believe. We didn't cover that on May the 4th like we were going to, because we had so much other stuff to cram into that episode. Um, So, this series, if I'm not mistaken, Grant will probably know better than I. This is about uh, Thrawn before he meets, uh, he gets involved with the Empire. He's still, at least he starts out with the Chiss. Um, this is before Rebels, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Grant? Yes, you are correct. In fact, this takes place uh, during the original trilogy, or not the original trilogy, I'm sorry, the prequel trilogy <laughs> um, <laughs> is when this is taking place. So think uh, around Attack of the Clones, maybe a little bit before, um, and be on the lookout for seeing Anakin Skywalker as a Jedi at some point through this. Um, I, in the new original, or no, in the... New trilogy for Thrawn, I guess. Not the... Okay, now they're just getting confusing because there's, <laughs> there's technically so now three, trilogies. Trilo- th- three trilogies of, Tha- of Thrawn. Two are canon, yeah. one's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest canon trilogy um, actually had... The second book actually is half in the past during this time period and half in the current time period of which it takes place right before or during Rebels, actually. And so um, Anakin and Thrawn cross paths there. So it'd be interesting to see if they explore that more. Yeah, I'm excited to read this trilogy. Um, 
this this new trilogy because you know I think Thrawn's just like a fascinating character, and I don't even really see him as a villain. I just think he's like a military ge- genius that's loyal to the Empire. So anyway, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be cool. I have not yet started reading this trilogy. I need to finish uh, Light of the Jedi. I'm telling you, I'm way behind on my Star Wars book reading, but I am gonna get caught up. Um, that's it. I promise. I promise. But uh, the whole the whole well, hopefully Thrawn... we'll see him in season three of a Mandalorian, right? Well, uh, probably more. I, I bet you we see him in Ahsoka. I don't. I don't think he'll be in the Mandalorian season three. Oh, that'll be cool too. Either way. But that's 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 just a that's just an opinion. I, I don't know. Possibly. But um, the whole the whole Thrawn trilogy thing is so convoluted. There's the uh, oldest trilogy, which is non-canon now. That's in Legends, old EU, and that was the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Amazing books. Um, that's that's why everybody loves Thrawn to begin with, and then now you have a the oldest canon trilogy, which Grant was referencing. Which were how, how long ago were they written, Grant? Twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. I believe it started around that time, and then it finished up in about twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Right, and then this new trilogy that they are writing currently. So Thrawn has almost as many trilogies as Star Wars um, in general. So actually has cool. as many trilogies as Star Wars in general. Yeah, yeah, it does now. Um, so, Walt Disney World has announced that they are pushing their resort, their all-Star Wars resort, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, back. Um, they were supposed to um, accept guests into this hotel experience, whatever you want to call it, in 2021, but with coronavirus and all that other stuff... They have pushed that back to 2022, but now fans can expect the Galactic Star Cruiser to open sometime next year, but they will also get a preview of a very, very special item, which I'm sure most everyone has heard about by now. Does anyone know what it is? The lightsaber without a tube. Code cylinders? The lightsaber without a tube. I was gonna say so the, I was gonna guess that sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> so get your get your Tauntaun sleeping bag from GameStop. Um, stop by, sleep outside if you can't get a reservation inside in twenty twenty two. But the, the the folks that are booking a stay in twenty twenty two will get to see the debut of the new exclusive lightsaber that Disney has been working on. It is supposedly a fully retractable blade and it lights up it looks really cool there's like a 13 second video out there of it 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 looks pretty neat and when when the reports first came out they uh they were talking about a real lightsaber concept and i'm like there's no way there's a real lightsaber thing and i i don't know but uh it, it turned out to be just a toy but it looks really really cool yeah um some people looked at the patents and to try and figure out how it worked because Disney hasn't really revealed it yet. And uh, from what they were able to find out, it looks like it kind of works kind of like a tape measure. You know, it's like a piece of plastic that's hard that can stand out straight kind of like a tape measure does. Obviously, it's a little bit harder, um, so that way it doesn't bend like a tape measure would. But um, it it's extends out and then glows and gives off that glowing effect, and that's apparently how it works. It, like, rolls up inside of itself? Yeah, that's. I think the idea of it is that it rolls up inside of itself. That's how it can go out and uh, retract without needing to actually be like a beam or something like that. Crazy. So, guys, I think I'm going to register a patent myself, and I'm going to make the same thing with an actual tape measure. Mm-hmm. But mine's going to be modeled after the uh, Spaceball scene where Dark Helmet and um, 
Lone Star are battling, and yeah. you know, my Schwartz is bigger than your Schwartz, you know? Oh, my God. I yeah, just watched a hilarious. video of it, dude, and it fully extends, like, slowly and, like, as one fluid movement, dude. That's crazy looking. Yeah, the, the fully retractable lightsaber is going to be cool. I hope we can get it in a lot of different um, hilts and a lot of different uh, styles, a lot of different colors. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how they're how it works and what the customizations are going to be. Because if Disney's going to do it, they're going to make it worth your buck. That's, that's how they do things. So let's get into some of our topics for this evening. Um, one topic I have for you guys, and I, I want to talk about this for a few moments before we get into our Bad Batch uh, recap. What do you guys think of cross-guard lightsabers such as Kylo Ren's? Looks cool. Doesn't make sense. I, yeah, it seems really dangerous. <laughs> Who needs wrists anyways, right? Right. So, um, yeah, you, you would think when he's twirling that thing around, like, if, if you're not really good with it, yeah, you're, you're going to lose, like, one or both of your hands at the same time. Get a full Dooku, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's super weird, because that's the whole point of, that's the whole point of that part on a sword, is so that someone, when they slide their sword down your, down the thing, it, I don't know down what the blade. It, down the tip or whatever, down, down the, blade. the blade, yeah, down why couldn't I think of that? <laughs> when, <laughs> when, they, when they're like, when you clash two swords together, and one of them goes down the blade, it won't slice off your, like, hand, that's the whole point, but, like, it would work. I'm going to reveal to you guys someone else who hates the cross guard lightsaber. And that is one Ewan McGregor. He's been very vocal about how stupid he thinks <laughs> Kylo Ren's cross guard lightsaber is. There's numerous videos on YouTube and I saw one on TikTok the other day. It was, it was hilarious. And these are a little bit older and I'd never seen them. Uh, that's kind of what made me think about this little subtopic. Um, but yeah, he he was saying like, yeah, we went the whole prequel trilogy and didn't have one of them. Like, how great can they be? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, they didn't have a Death Star in the prequel trilogy. They had plans for him. Yeah, yeah, but the, but the but the Death Star had like a purpose. Like, it, it wasn't like a revamp of something else that did something better than something else. Like the I, the cross guard lightsaber is just stupid. The Death Star is a revamp of a planet but it has a giant laser. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get... Well, actually, a small moon. But uh, if you want to get A lightsaber is a revamp of a sword. That's no moon. <laughs> That's your mama. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Well, you, I mean, you're right. Like, there is kind of no point to it. Especially if you're a Jedi. You, you're... Like, if two blades touch, they're not going to be sliding up and down each other. So like, I you're thought a Jedi, the point you can was it. they had to be like exhaust valves because the kyber crystal he was using was cracked and it was like explosive and it was like very unstable. So it needed that exhaust. I thought that was the point on. Okay, his. so that makes sense if that's true. I never heard that. That is why Diedrich is our Jedi archive. I have n- I have no idea about this theory at all. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. Um, it makes yeah, sense if, though. If you look at his lightsaber at all, it's very unstable. It's very. The blade's always kind of like moving and isn't really firm and straight like other lightsabers are. Um, and it, it's unstable, so that's very possible. So it's like we're yeah. calling it a cross guard, but it's not really a cross guard. Well, doesn't it have, I could be wrong, I could be thinking about something else, but doesn't it have like a, like a kind of a, a helix that goes up the blade? It, it's kind Is of that, like a helix. No, that's yeah. just kind of, I think that's just. I think it's just unstable light moving through the blade, honestly. And I mean, I have no—I know that his blade is unstable, 
But yeah, that makes sense. The the cross guard sides are exhaust ports. I, I actually like that theory. That would make it at least practical. Yeah. I don't know why he can't just go get a different kyber crystal. I, I think they're pretty rare at this point, right? Like you're you're talking sixty years after Order sixty six, something like that. Well, you gotta th- well you gotta think they hauled out Ilum, which was the Kyber Crystal capital of the galaxy, to make um, Starkiller Base. So hmm. yeah, you are right. Kyber crystals are so who did who did he to kill by? to get that lightsaber crystal? We don't know that he did. Uh, we don't know. We have no idea how he got that that crystal. Uh, okay. Um, okay. But. There is another cross guard lightsaber in Disney canon. For you guys who have seen Rebels, if you look at uh, it's the episode where um, they go to Malachor and find Darth Maul, or actually Maul. He's not Darth Maul at the time, just Maul. And they there seems to have been a humongous battle between Jedi and Sith, and there's just lightsabers everywhere. Um, Ezra actually lights up a lightsaber. And it's a cross guard lightsaber, a green cross guard lightsaber. That's right. Yeah, hmm. I remember that. So, so I don't killed Ezra. Do what? I'm so he killed Ezra. Uh, he killed Ezra, and he made that stone Ezra cry. Control. Well, time well, travel. You know what though? I mean, that, that's that's that could be it. I mean, the the way you get a red crystal is to take another crystal and make it bleed. So, um. See, that's I think possible. he was doing that, and he failed, and that's why it, it cracked, right? That's my headcanon. I'm not sure if that's true. Mm. I mean, that would make sense. He is, like, the worst Sith in all of Star Wars. Well, I wouldn't consider him a Sith. He's not a Sith. Which is, an, I, I feel like a part of the trials to be a Sith would be to bleed your crystal, or to bleed a crystal, and he failed one of those trials. Maybe that's why he's not necessarily a Sith. <laughs> that would also make sense why he's treated so poorly. You were about to yeah. be Darth Kylo, but you failed. Um, that's 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 some good stuff. I really didn't think we were gonna get this deep into this subtopic. Um, I'm actually yeah. very pleased now. That was good. Uh, <laughs> that was that was really good, guys. I <laughs> I just learned a lot. So yes, uh, you you learn something new every day. So let us get to our main topic for the evening, and we all know what that is. The premiere and the second episode of The Bad Batch. Experimental Unit Clone Force 99. They call themselves The Bad Batch. Before we get started, I do want to warn everyone who's listening. If you have not watched The Bad Batch Episode 1 Aftermath or Episode 2 Cut and Run, then this is your warning. There will be spoilers in this section of Dork Wars, the podcast. So if you have not seen those episodes and do not want the plot spoiled for you, go back and watch those episodes and then come back and listen to our podcast. Um, I, I just want to warn everybody because uh, I don't want anyone mad at me because I just <laughs> got right into it. Somebody will be mad. Oh, somebody's going to be mad. I'm going to hear about it later, I'm sure, from the Dork Lords. So... Th- this show starts out pretty intense. Once the, uh, not even like the show part, like the title screen. I, yes. I pull up, I pull up the Bad Batch on May the 4th. I was so excited. And the music starts playing and it's really dark and it's, it's getting somewhere. And then you see the Clone Wars in red, kind of like the end of season seven Clone Wars title. And 
it's amazing and it's like but this isn't the clone wars and it starts burning away into the bad batch logo and it was cool um i I really think that kind of signifies how bad batch is just an extension of the clone wars and furthermore we're going to get right into where the the episode begins um, the episode opens up with the narrator from Clone Wars, Tom Kane, speaking. And the first thing he says is, Severus, push to the brink. Uh, some, something cool like that. Tom Kane did a good job. Um, but it starts out just like a Clone Wars episode. And I think that's awesome. I, I really think that's a tie-in to the Clone Wars. It, it's referencing that Bad Batch is just an extension of the Clone Wars. Well, I'm very appreciative that they kept the animation style because I think the Clone Wars animation style, especially that of season seven, is probably the best they've ever done. I was going to say it looks a little bit more, <clears throat> it looks a little bit even more adult than the Clone Wars animation. Like it looks a little bit more darker, um, like less light. I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I, I know that the Clone Wars season seven definitely had a darker tone than the rest, and it was made years after the other six seasons. And the, the animation just, it's its amazing. And that's the only season that Disney animated. And we all know that Disney animation is cutting edge, top of the line. So season seven Clone Wars has awesome animation. And they took that animation and threw it right into Bad Batch. And Andrew even seems to think it, it looks better. And it, it might. Um, I didn't really pay attention to it looking better than season seven, but it looks very similar, if not a tad bit better. I would say it looks better. Um, it, it just feels more def- uh, refined. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's possible. It's been a whole year since Clone Wars season seven came out. So maybe they just fine tuned the, the formula. Mm-hmm. Now they've been sitting on these episodes so long, they had time to go back and make it look stupid good. <laughs> you know, we got to revisit that Bad Batch thing and make uh, Hunter's jawline way more refined. Like, I think he look, needs to look manlier. Um, that's not true, because Hunter looks very manly. So we start out on the planet Collar, where Jedi Master Depa Balaba, that's right, I got her name right on the first try, Depa Balaba <laughs> is pinned down and requires reinforcements. The droids are coming in on him, and they're just hacking away. And then we see her Padawan come sliding down a hill, and her Padawan is someone that most of us probably know. This was like the first big reveal in the Bad Batch. The one, the only, Caleb Doom. So who's Caleb Doom, everybody? Kanan Josh. I didn't recognize him. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Darth Prince Maul. Jr. <laughs> Darth Vader. I am your father. Anyway, he's pro- you know what? I think it was Caleb Skywalker, actually. Oh, yeah. Came out the there we go. Uh, Caleb Palpatine. Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> is he a Palpatine well, or a Skywalker? Uh, I think it was no, Mace Windu. In all seriousness, I really loved that tie-in right at the beginning. Like That just made me so happy Like right off the bat. So this is one of the best fan service moments or kind of moments I think you can have in a series where you bring in this character that's well-known from a different series. You know he's around in this time period. You give him a story. You give him his origins. And you play off of the fans' love for that character. And that is exactly what happened in this instance. We see Caleb Doom come down the hill. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize it was him right at first. You know, you, you hear Master Depa Balaba. We heard in Rebels that that was his master. But you're watching the season premiere of The Bad Batch. It's May the 4th. Everyone's excited. You're all hopped up on Spotchka. Who knows? 
and you you don't really make that connection and then he starts talking and you're like <laughs> oh my god that's a yeah, grown canaan like why does he sound like that yeah why does why does the why does the little kid sound like a grown man like first question that's what i was about to say man why why do they bring back the same voice actor it's just i mean i love i love that they brought back the same voice actor but at the same time they could have at least you know made him sound a little more kiddish and not a full-grown man over there I bet they tried, and it sounded really bad. The reinforcements are coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's like kind of what kid. It's it honestly <laughs> kind of has that distinction. And I know before we actually started recording, we all talked about one gripe that we had with this series so far. And this is probably my biggest gripe with the series so far. And I don't know if that's the case for you guys. I said it might be the same. It might not. Is this the gripe you guys were talking about? Just out of curiosity. Not for me. I honestly, to be honest, yeah, I didn't notice. I, first of all, I didn't even know who he was. I'm obviously I love Star Wars, but I don't know anything about a lot of the Clone Wars, a lot of Rebels. I really only know about the movies, right? Um, so for me, it didn't really affect me. And also, I don't remember ever thinking like, "Oh, that guy sounds like an adult." I think it's because we already knew who he was and we recognized the voice and the character itself that we were just like, "Well, that's kind of funny." Because if you go. Yeah, I, I I heard it yeah. immediately. It was well, immediately off. It was yeah. so jarring. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely disagree with anybody who was yeah. like, man, I didn't notice. I'm sorry. No big deal. Whatever. But like to me, it was just, it yanked me right out of like the situation. I was just yeah. like, okay, this is cool. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm a filthy casual. Yeah. The fact that we got to have this conversation, that that's the problem. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, e- even before, um, even before he spoke, I, I kind of got the feeling it was Kanan because she said Caleb, and I'm immediately thinking Caleb Dune. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, sorry, Blake. Yeah, I was gonna say no. I didn't connect the dots there. It wasn't until later that I realized, oh my god, that was that, I know who that was, dude. I, as soon as as soon as he spoke, I think everyone was like, oh my god, that's Kanan. Like, um, I, I knew beforehand, like when they were talking about Caleb, this I knew it was him, and then he started speaking, and just like you said, Diedrich, it kind of ripped me out of the moment, and I was like. That that's weird, like, because he definitely looks like he's like twelve or thirteen, and he definitely yeah, sounds like a forty-year-old dude. Yeah, it was off. It was it was off. Not to say that I wasn't, you know, I that I didn't enjoy Cannon being there. It just it, it could have been handled a little bit different for the voice acting. I agree, and I and I think that having him in there was great, and I still think that it was an awesome moment. Like I can get over the voice thing. It, it was jarring. It was like, oh, you know, take a step back. But all in all, it, it doesn't affect me that much. It was still amazing to have that character in there and to give him that origin that we all knew he had. But now we actually get to see it played out. It was actually pretty cool. So I'm going to go ahead and give my gripe because it's going to come back and back and back and back. And I'll explain further later. But I, I really I didn't want to like what I saw. I really do. So this is a small gripe. But I, I'm nervous that the future might be worse than what we have now because they're they're trying like to bring in so many different things. They pulled out like all the stops for like the first one, especially. And I will and say I'm, that all of the trailer scenes, a lot of the trailer scenes were in that first episode. Yeah, that too. So I want to see where it goes. I did like ultimately what I saw, but I'm a little nervous that what we what we've already gotten is it might be like the apex or close to the best of what they're going to show us the whole time i'm watching this i'm just mad at dietrich i'm like man this is awesome how could you not like this 
and then yeah <laughs> I, as a casual fan i have absolutely loved both episodes i have no problem with what's happened well so Dietrich didn't say that he my did, one great Dietrich didn't say that he didn't like it he was just afraid that he won't like it later or like down the road no, i'm saying that before he watched the episode he was not looking forward to it oh yeah so that's just, all i was mad about <laughs> just for context for the dork lords doesn't seem that Diedrich was very excited about the Bad Batch just because he 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 believes that that area of time is very well documented and we need to move on to some other things. Um, so Diedrich has a very pessimistic view coming into this and now it seems that he's reflecting that on the rest of the series, but it could be well founded. So go ahead, Diedrich. What else you got for us? Well, that, that's it. And the thing that's going to keep coming up is they keep having to bring in these other connections. You're going to have Tarkin. You're going to have um, the Lama Sioux, the senator from... Or I don't know if the character is a senator. I'll take that back. But it's one of the main Kaminoan characters. And then the governor, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, but they're going to be bringing in all of these other characters we've seen in either live action or the other animated shows off the bat and I don't know are they going to keep doing that is this going to be a series where they keep going back to other characters we've seen in the Clone Wars to be like hey where are they now because they do that in episode 2 as well they keep going back to people we've seen before and I, I want I want that. to I guess my, my motivation is I want to see new things flourish from this I don't know that they're going to be able to hold my attention but I've liked what I've seen I can agree I can agree with that but again, as somebody who is a casual fan, hasn't seen Rebels, hasn't really watched a ton of Clone Wars, it's actually kind of got me wanting to go back and watch those. Now knowing that they're throwing in a lot of characters that I should know, it's making people like me who didn't watch those things want to go back and watch those. And I think maybe if what you're saying is true, then maybe that's why they're doing it. Yeah, I was going to say, Blake's probably going to head to this direction in just a second. But yeah, um, speaking of new characters, like talking about Omega, like I'm really intrigued by her. That's that's part of my gripe, dude. We'll get into it later. We'll, but we'll get into that's it. headed towards my we're, gripe. We're making it there. We're making it there. This, I can, I can see where Andrew's coming from, and that is a great opinion and a great uh, thought on why they're introducing so many characters from other media. And there's just so many other big players out there at this point in time. This is a critical moment in the Republic turning into the the uh, Galactic Empire. This is one of the pivotal moments in Star Wars. So a lot of big players, a lot of big names are involved. Um, and Diedrich has a good point as well. Are, is it just going to be like a Clone Wars um, recap? Like, where are they now? It's been so long. What, what are they doing in this time period? It seems that they're going to do that a bit if the premiere is the the basis um i will say in episode two that that isn't as much however they do have two big characters we will get to that as well but moving on with the premiere order 66 happens right after this moment the the well actually that's not true i i i'm lying to you we just talked about caleb doom caleb doom says he has found the reinforcements and they ask him how many it is and he says there's five of them and everyone's like, uh, <laughs> there's five of them, and then here they come. Our crew for the show, the Bad Batch themselves, you've got Hunter, Tech, Wrecker, Echo, and Crosshair. They come scrolling down the hill right where um, Caleb Doom came from, and they just wreck 
these droids, man. They take out the whole army. They have all these crazy moves. They do things that regular clones wouldn't do. They all have their special skills. Wrecker's throwing freaking tanks around everywhere. Tech is using his devices to to outsmart the, the droids and to, to electrocute them, blow them up, do all this other stuff. It is an amazing scene. It is an action-packed scene. And that is like the coolest introduction to the Bad Batch in their own show. They just come in and kick tail, do not care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. Um, I would say that was a good introduction to it, but at the same time, it kind of goes against the rest of the episode. It's kind of like there's the action up front, and then after that, it's kind of like, kind of stale for action, I what? would say. Well, I, mean, the same I don't know, man. I mean, you have the training ground scene. Um, that's Literally, a big... you have a training battle scene. And then after that, you've yeah, got... Yeah, you have the training battle screen and then the one at the end. But, like, you got to remember, this episode's an hour and ten minutes. Are you going to sit there and watch an hour and ten minutes of just talking for, and then three fights? Okay, y'all, y'all are forgetting about the best combat in the entire series so far, which is the food fight. In the <laughs> that is another confrontation. No, I mean it makes perfect sense. It's the best way to introduce them. It like this is this goes towards my argument of I believe this isn't a fan service show. I believe this is for people like me who were casual fans who haven't watched everything. They're introducing all five characters. Each one of them uses their specialty in a way that shows how they're useful. Well, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you, Andrew. I think it is for people who are casual fans who may have not seen these episodes, I think it is for them. But I also think there is a mass amount of fan service in here. And that's just coming oh, from seeing Caleb Doom, seeing Tarkin, seeing uh, Lama Su- seeing the Camino, seeing all these different places and sites and feelings that we've felt all through these other, ep- uh, through the movies, through the shows, through everything. And they're all packed in this one episode. Um, it's- one more thing I failed to mention earlier. I just got to say it real quick. Those droids remind me an awful lot of dark troopers, though I know they're not. I know they're not technically dark troopers from the Mandalorian, but the droids in one of those combat scenarios, the Bad Batch had to face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about in the actual, um, yeah. when in they the go to live fire? Yep. The training simulator? Right. They seem like Proto or some kind of, you know, all droid form or something. You know, they yeah. also reminded me of Thrawn's like guard droids. Yeah. Dude, I could watch I could watch Training Battle Simulator all day. You can give me 16 <laughs> episodes of that. 16 30-minute episodes of that, dude. I will watch it. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, man. It, it's it's awesome. Um but getting back to where we were at in in the episode, we have uh the Bad Batch come in, take out all the droids, kill them, and we hear Tech mention that, uh, well, the, the war might be close to over. Uh, Jedi Master Obi-Wan has engaged General Grievous, and we all know what that means. That, of course, Order 66 is about to happen. And not even 20 seconds later, I don't think, we, we, we see Caleb go off with the Bad Batch to face some more droids. And we hear uh, Depa Balaba's uh, clone commander get the order, Order 66. And they start fighting Depa Balaba. And it is a heart-wrenching scene. She's doing her best. She is taking on, like, what is like 15 clones. She's doing a great job. Caleb hears what's going on behind him. He goes for her. And it is just like we always imagined in Rebels and all this other stuff. A heart-wrenching scene. And she tells him to run and to get out of there. 
and they kill Depa Balaba. It is a heart-wrenching scene that we all knew was coming as soon as we realized who those characters were. But it had to happen. Yeah, This is the third instance of of Order 66 that we've been able to witness on TV. Like, first one being Yoda's perperspective, and then second being Ahsoka's perspective, and now we got Ezra's perspective. And each one contributes, like, more Not Ezra's, insights. Caleb's. Caleb, Caleb, do. Oh, yeah, Caleb, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm all for it, dude. I'm all for it. I love it. Um, Yeah, Um, something that I really took from the scene is it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Kanan dies in Rebels, and Ezra's the one running back to him trying to save him. And now Caleb, or Kanan, as he's known in Rebels, is kind of in a similar situation. He's trying to go to run to save his master, and his master's telling him no and, you know, saying go. Grant, so are you saying it's like poetry? I'm not saying it's like poetry. It I'm, I'm saying it's like it's written by the same person. <laughs> oh, it definitely rhymes, man. You, we all know that Dave Filoni is the prodigy of George Lucas, so... If it rhymes for George, it rhymes for Dave. I think you have a good point there, Grant. I didn't even think of that, um, to be honest with you. But Grant is like the biggest Ezra and Thrawn fanboy. Um, it's true. We, he's getting married in a couple weeks, and he Nerd. he really wishes that when he walks down the aisle, he could see Grand Admiral Thrawn or Ezra Bridger. But you know, anyway. I invited them. I hope they show. Ah, uh, they they may. I, that'd be if if they show, we'll, we'll get them on the podcast. Um, don't don't get your hopes <laughs> up, guys. Um. But yeah, it, it it does seem to rhyme. It was a heart-wrenching scene. It was great. The only thing is, this is where I think the episode becomes the Bad Batch. Before this point, the episode is Clone Wars Season 8, to be honest with you. Um, even though the Bad Batch make their big entrance, this, that, and the other, it really feels like Clone Wars all the way up until this point. At this point, where Master Depa Balaba dies, and Kanan slash Caleb starts running away from the Bad Batch and they try, well, most four out of five of them try to console him. Crosshair just wants to kill him because I guess his chip is a little bit better than the other four. That just, Um, okay, the whole Crosshair storyline in this first episode, it it really makes me angry because it was so in your face, so constant. I'm like, you could have nuanced it a little bit like, yeah, I didn't like how direct it it was. I like the storyline. I like the plot line. I like that Crosshair is going to go against him. Because if anyone's going to go against the Bad Batch, Crosshair is the most tactical, the the most capable of taking on the other four, I believe, in combat. So I think it was... Do you mean like how he... So do you mean that he was in your face in the, in the fact that he was constantly... He was the one that would be like, oh, we should follow orders. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Is that what you mean? What I mean by that is, like, constantly throughout the episode, they're like, all right, at the beginning right here where they're chasing Caleb, he's trying to instant kill him. He's like, we got to follow orders. Um, it, it's just, like, directly showing over and over and over again, kind of like beating a dead horse, for lack of a better term, that he his inhibitor chip is working. They could have nuanced it a little bit, but it wasn't working fully. We know that. I'm- but, like... I'd have to disagree. I'd say they did a good job, and I don't think that... I mean, I don't see how they could have made it more nuanced other than him being a soldier, which is a very direct, very in-your-face, very... We follow orders. Yeah, that's but that's what not the bad... That's what but that's not does. what the Bad Batch did. And that's why it was just so jarring to see that through the entire episode where he's just constantly orders, orders, orders. It doesn't, it doesn't fit his character. So to give context to Andrew and maybe some of our other casual... 
um, Star Wars fan listeners, the Bad Batch were introduced in Clone Wars Season 7. And they were a... Their Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch, were a crew that had special... Had defects. And they had special abilities. And they do not follow orders the way the other clones do. They act differently. They look differently. They're different from the other clones. And their big... Um, their big difference is that they do not follow orders like the other clones. They're kind of their own thing. They go and help where they want to help. They go and do what they want to do. And they even say in Clone Wars Season 7, um, someone asks, who do you report to? And they're like, we don't even know who we report to. We just go around the galaxy helping other clones, killing people, destroying droids, getting them clankas. You know, it's, 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 that's just kind of their thing. So for Crosshair to constantly be pounding, a good soldier follows orders, and this, that, and the other, it, it really is in your face for someone who knows what the Bad Batch is about already. Can I just say that we've seen this story before in Battlefront 2? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. You have the Inferno Squad and the guy who's like, we have to follow the Operation Cinder or whatever. He's clearly the guy who's not going to turn to the Rebellion, which the other parts of Inferno Squad do. So I was kind of like bored by that, to be honest. It was my least favorite aspect of the series so far was that very on your nose. Oh, he's going to be a bad guy. Yeah, I I would much rather preferred where, you know, they drop hints throughout the series and then it's in a later episode later on in the series that that they turn. But no, it's in the first episode. It's just in your face really quick. I feel like they left a lot of things on the table, like Grand Moth, or sorry, Admiral Tarkin at this point. We know he's very manipulative. He's very smart. And I'm wondering why he wouldn't use Crosshair to keep an eye on them and keep tabs on them, knowing that they're probably going to run. Like, that seems like the smarter thing to do, to have an inside agent. So, yeah, Admiral Tarkin is a cold, calculating, tactical kind of leader. He's able to get in there and try to get the enemy where he wants them using mind games. He's not like the brute force kind of guy. And to have crosshair turn in this episode so quickly, I I think it was, I think that was kind of a bad move. Um, It it was a little rushed. Unless they're trying to set up a redemption arc for him later in the series, but we'll have to see and see if that pays off. Yeah, but we have 16 episodes. We have 16 episodes. Like, you know, just just to kind of lay all the cards on the table in this first episode, I, and, and there might be plans to to do this or to do that. I, I'm not saying I know where the show is going or, or this, that, and the other, but uh, it really it really seems they're going to have to slow some things down. This this first episode was really fast and in your face, even though it was an hour and fifteen minutes long. Like it was so much content. Yeah. It's set up for Tarkin to be the big boss and for Crosshair to be like the mini boss. Yeah. I mean, do do they really have to slow it down, though? Um, there's no time frame, they said, that takes place during the series. I mean, as far as we know, it could be years between episodes if they wanted to because there's no we don't know what happens to these characters. All of That's them could true. show up at any point at any time. So, In one way, I would say they need to slow down with the transition to the Empire because these clones are... A lot's changed in such a short amount of time, and I think that's that's rushed a little bit. I don't think it's rushed. I think that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. It's due to this inhibitor chip. They just go from regular, normal people to these um, 
brainwashed the, soldiers. The ne- literally the very next day after Order 66, uh, uh, Tarkin comes out with this new Empire threads on. Like he had those already made, ready to go out the closet. Yeah. That- <laughs> that's Well, I, those threads were kind of... That's kind of what yeah, they at, looked at the like the in the Clone Wars, Wars too, though. A, they had a, a similar, similar outfits. Style. Yeah, and I mean, it's just a cartoon at the end of the day. It's real, man. So I, I also don't like that they have probe droids already when it's supposed to be another, you know, what, 16 years or so before Luke shows up and they use them and then another several years before episode five. I mean... So I felt like that was kind of rushed. They should not have had... Because they looked exactly like probe droids when it was at five, so... Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, Correct. they had... R2 is from the prequels, and he's all throughout the series, and no one questions anything about that or any of the other R-series droids that are within the original trilogy. Well, the Rebels are just kind of like whatever they got. And so the R2 units were very accessible throughout the galaxy, so it was like pretty common, right? I think that's why they had a whole lot of R2 units to help out with their X-Wings and Y-Wings. So I'll tell you what, that is a good topic for a different episode. Have it, the technology of Star Wars, what should have existed, what didn't exist, what holds over, what stands up. We will definitely get into that. That's We'll put that on the list. We have a whole running list, guys, of topics, and this is going to be on it. So let's fast forward a little bit. The Bad Batch um, are unable to get uh, Caleb Doom. He runs off. And we don't know what happens to him, but the next time we see him, canonically at this point, is Rebels. So he he gets away. Crosshair is not happy. Hunter Hunter is really just questioning everything at this point. So they make it back to Kamino, and once they get to Kamino, they they see the other clones. The other clones are very rigid, very stiff, and you see them take out a body and a lightsaber falls. Of course, it is a Jedi under that um, under that cloth. They, they're they just full on killing Jedi, getting the Galactic Empire set up. And this is where we meet the main character of this show, it seems. The Ezra character, the Ahsoka character, the Baby Yoda character, if you will, of the Bad Batch. And that is Omega. Dang, I just realized that all of these have like a kid as like the main character that they introduced. That's crazy. It's not, dude. It's more than that, dude. We're getting to my gripe. We're slowly getting there. I like this trend Star Wars is doing, like having like Baby Yoda and now Omega just have like young That's kids. That's not a trend. So they've always done it. No! No! No, I do not like it. Some people like it. Some people... I think it's played out at this yeah, point a so little bit. Yeah, it's so played out. Uh, like, now we're gonna... All we're gonna have to deal with for this entire season... Man, okay, we're just getting to my gripe. I don't care. <laughs> what we're going to have to deal with this entire season is the child-father relationship and how the child is going to be adopted by a random person and then we're going to have a father who has to learn to become a father. And like it's a like I have no issue with that specifically that topic specifically, but what I do have an issue with is that at this point that's all Star Wars is about. It's popping up everywhere. It's popping up everywhere. I agree, and that the next episode we're gonna we're gonna discuss really quickly after this is is chock full of that. That is the whole episode, really. Um, but in this episode, it's bearable because we're we're not at that point with Omega. Omega is just this annoying kid comes what? up and says, "You guys are Clone Force ninety nine, and she's that's annoying." Great. And she, she's well, so annoying. She's not. She's not a. What? I like her character. 
I, I enjoy her character. I like her character too. I don't I don't think she's annoying as a character. I think she's meant to annoy the Bad Batch. Let me clarify. I don't think she's annoying. I think that her character is supposed to annoy the Bad Batch. I like that idea. And they kind of and they kind of like they kind of brush her off at first, like whatever. Then you have the lunch scene where she shows up and she's talking with them, and they're just kind of like, "All right, kid, like maybe you just need to stay away from us. Like we're we're not that good of guys." And then they start the whole lunch fight thing. Well, that's pretty Omega cool. Started that, but um, point. well, Omega starts that. That was funny when um, that clone confronted Omega, but like like he's going to fight her, and then um, uh, Wrecker stood up behind her and just like had her back. So that was cool. Yeah. So it seems like that she annoys them, but at the same time, they see some of themselves in her, and later in the episode, we'll find out why. But they feel like they need to protect her, so. That's why that whole lunchroom scene happens, and that's a really cool combat scene, I think, in this in this series. Um, so far, the, the best, as Diedrich puts it, the best combat scene in this series so far is the food fight. Um, we brought it back to a <laughs> 90s teen drama movie. Um, food fight! <laughs> but after this, uh, the Bad Batch hears that they need to meet with the... Uh, uh, the head Kamino Wing guy, if I'm not the mistaken, chancellor or something the, that's like who that. they go to see. The chancellor of yeah, I I don't know. He's like a skater dude, Kamino Wing. He I don't know. <laughs> he's got a he's got a funny voice <laughs> to me. Um, but it, they they go to find him and they meet some clones on the way. And they're like, oh yeah, they're waiting for you in the training room. And that's where we get another amazing combat scene. It's where they're all in the training room. Just throwing down, beating up on all these droids. You again see all their special um, abilities. You get to see what they're capable of. And as a team, no one can beat them. They initially are um, being fired at with like practice rounds. They they can't be killed or whatever. And then uh, Tarkin's like, no, all bets are off. We want the best for the Empire. Go on and shoot them with live rounds. And then they start shooting them with live rounds, and they still beat up on them. And those droids that Diedrich were talking about, the Dark Troopers from uh, Mandalorian Season 2, the finale, they're, it seems like they're prototype. They're very Dark Trooper-esque droids. Maybe they are the prototype. They pop up. They start fighting the Bad Batch. And at first they're pinned down a little bit. The Bad Batch rallies and beats the ever-living crap out of all of them. Such a good scene. But I, I will say, Grant, that, that I think it's a good contrast. You have some good action scenes in the beginning, and then you have the more diplomatic side of it from the Bad Batch and what's happening between the Republic and the Galactic Empire. You have that scene where they all go for the big meeting, and it's Emperor Palpatine addressing the Senate that this is the new galactic, the, fir- the first galactic empire, whatever. And yeah, everyone's if I, cheering. If I wanted yeah. to get into the politics of. This is how democracy dies. I'd go back and watch Revenge With of the Sith. Supplies. I want action. That's what the Bad Batch was known for, was their action. Well, that, that meeting took all of, what, 10, 15 seconds, and it set up where we are in the timeline. I think hey, I enjoy watching them sort through their emotions I, I enjoy watching them sort through their emotions and just trying to sort this out, all the confusion and what's going on. Like that, that That's entertaining to me. I've absolutely loved it, and my feelings are hurt that you're just hating it so much. It isn't so that I much, hate Grant. it. Like, I understand it and everything, yeah. but I was expecting more straight action in the Bad Batch because, I mean, look at the Clone Wars episodes that they were in in Season 7. It was just straight action, action, action. And then here it's kind of like... 
That well, that's because there were thirty minute well, episodes. That's true. And on top of that, they were they were pretty much just a precursor to the Ahsoka story. I mean, we all know that season seven was about Ahsoka's story, and the first four episodes were good. I like the Bad Batch arc, but it's it's just regular Clone Wars, and it's a precursor to Ahsoka's story. In this series, they are able to kind of break them down and turn them into relatable characters. I think in the Bad Batch uh, arc in Season 7, they were very two-dimensional. They were just like, let's go in there and blow stuff up. End of episode. And if you have that for 16 episodes, people are just going to tune out. I mean, I it's, mean, it's not true, interesting at all. At the same time, I felt like the first four episodes of Season 7 wasn't just a precursor to Ahsoka, but kind of like a backdoor pilot for this series. I, I can agree yeah. with that. I saw it as a precursor to Ahsoka. Well, I, I saw it as like a backdoor pilot <laughs> to the Bad Bad series. And with that, um, you know, it's just a different pace and different style than what was shown in those four episodes. And I guess that's why it's kind of a gripe for me. Right. So moving on, uh, the Bad Batch show that they are amazing troops. I mean, they just are. So they have a mission to Alderaan. When they get to Alderaan... They think they're going to be fighting insurgents. They think they're going to be fighting battle droids. They think it's just another separatist cell who just will not give up because the war's over. The war's over. Why, why are you guys fighting? But instead, they find real live people, women, children, um, flesh and blood people, not droids, not separatists. These are people of the newly formed Galactic Empire. People who still want the Republic to be a thing. These are real people, not droids, kids, women. It And it really hits home for Hunter at this point. He really struggles with the fact that all these changes have happened overnight, so fast, and now he is fighting people that he used to fight with because we find out that these people are led by none other than Saul Guerrero. I have a very I was happy to see I have him. a very love hate relationship with that character. I think yeah. everyone does. Like, I think as soon as does. they said Andron, I was like, Oh, they're gonna do Saul. <laughs> I mean <laughs> They they gonna go there. He does great things for the rebellion, but like his character is just so jarring. It, it's it's either you it's either Well that's the yeah. point. You love to <laughs> hate true. him. You either completely agree with him or you hate him completely. It's one it's one or the other. He's an extremist. Yeah, de- yeah. I- Sorry, yeah. I was, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. He's definitely an extremist, and but I just love his passion for like, like anti-government. Don't trust the government. I identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Anyways, um, Sagara's character is a complex one. Like, you hate him at points, you like him at some points, and and it's. He is the character he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a polarizing figure. And when he, every, every time he's introduced, like he is splitting up whoever he is with. Like in the in Rebels, like he, he is such a um polarizing person. Like he's he's got Ezra like all out of sorts. He's he's gonna kill the Geonosian and the and the egg and, and all that stuff in Rebels and uh, he's I feel you like love we could to talk about it. Saul for a while, so maybe that'll be another episode. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have a Saul Guerrero episode. So let's get off of Saul because I, I was trying to find a simple summary, and I I can I, I can't. There's not a simple summary. That sounds Saul like Guerrero. a name of a famous cook in the Star Wars series. Saul, Saul Guerrero's Cantina. Come get your fresh eggs. What <laughs> 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 what's Emerald's thing? A uh, bam, bam, you know, like bang. 
So anyways, I started blasting. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> we got Ewok sausages. We've got Tauntaun steaks. Come and get them. That's completely off topic, but he made all of his Sunny and Philadelphia reference, and I'm just I can see him going in there and just shooting up all the Ewoks. I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that too. I just started blasting. Um so the uh the Bad Batch talk with Saul. They realize what's happening, that all the other clones are pretty much being controlled. This is also where Tech brings up that um Omega is one of them when they talk about the five clones earlier who have a genetic defect echo was not the clone they were talking about as the fifth clone um as we all know echo is a reg he was just a normal clone and then he was taken by the separatists and turned into what he is now like a pretty much cyborg person and they even make the comment in the episode that he's more machine than man now which is a very good callback to Darth Vader in the original series uh, when Obi-Wan's talking about Vader. Doesn't that make it so he has the strongest chance to not get turned when the flip is switched for Order 66? Um, well, they explain it. Well, he should be because he's a reg. His inhibitor chip should work like the other ones, but their explanation for that in the episode is that when the Separatists took him, they pretty much whacked out his entire programming, um, making him into that half cyborg man thing you would think they wouldn't do that given that they were controlled by the same man yeah yeah no joke uh that was that was i don't know i i don't i don't really care for echo's character in the bad batch he didn't seem to have a lot of input on anything in the premiere or the second episode so moving on they go back to camino to pick up omega Wait, oh. yeah, sorry real quick can i can i bring up something up that grinds my gears a little bit like while they were on that mission Omega snuck into their quarters back on Camino, and and you know that's why you can never trust a hoe. Like she went through all this stuff, looking through all this stuff. What? Like yeah. <laughs> what? that's what girls do, man. They just always go through your stuff when you're not around. So hide your phones. Hide. You Says know. the single guy in the group. It, Wesley, Wesley introducing Wesley, she's Wes, like, she's like, the Wesley. single one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes, she gets caught in the Bad Batch's quarters. And it, it wasn't right to do, but she's obsessed with them. She loves them guys because she is one of them, really. Um, so they go back to Camino to collect Omega because she's one of them. They want to take her along with them on their adventures. They are pretty much done with the Empire at this point, other than Crosshair. So they get back to Camino. They get captured. And who's also been captured because she was sneaking into their quarters? It's Omega. So they're all together again. At this point, they take Crosshair, bring him into the uh, office, I guess, and uh, talk to him and tell him, you know, or he he pretty much tells them everything. Like they they are not the way that all the other clones are. They are questioning everything, and they take Crosshair's chip because Crosshair is still able to resist the chip a little bit. Like we can see that his chip is not working all the way 100% and they take and augment his chip so that it is I guess his programming is stronger I I, I don't know exactly the uh, process there but they put him in the little MRI machine and now Crosshair has been brainwashed completely he is the Empire's um, winter soldier the, he is the Empire yeah that, why wasn't a, he uh, modeled good, after Sebastian Stan good cross reference 
Because they got to save Sebastian's oh, face. Because that's the new Luke yeah. Skywalker. They got to save that face. <laughs> Gosh, man. Like, do you even pay attention to Star Wars? Do you even anyway. watch Dork Wars? <laughs> you can't even watch Dork Wars. We don't have video. Dang, like, imagine having a video on YouTube. Video. That's crazy. Ooh. Coming soon. Ooh, oh, no. <laughs> So, um, the Bad Batch find a way out of their cell. It turns out that their prison cell was not meant to be a prison cell all along. Ricker smacks the uh, panel on the side of the of the cell. Omega makes it out, and she crushes the, the droids, or excuse me, not the droids. She crushes the other clones that are guarding them, lets the Bad Batch out. They're making their escape. They're fighting everybody, and none other than Crosshair comes with his own troops against the Bad Batch. So now Crosshair is the main. Well, I don't know if he's the main antagonist, but he's one of the main antagonists now. He was once a Bad Batch member. Now he is a stooge of the Empire. Press F for no, nah, because that means respect. There's no respect for traitors. From your point of view, the Jedi are evil or something, something complete. <laughs> From my point of view, the Je- What? The Empire did nothing wrong. <laughs> Anyways, they, um, the Bad Batch get on their ship and go off. They have Omega with them now. Um, it's a good premiere. All in all, very solid. W- what do you guys think of the premiere overall? Like I said before, man, I enjoyed it. I didn't have a lot of expectations from it. I wasn't expecting there to be one hour and 14 minutes of just fighting because I'm not a loony bin. Like It doesn't have to be all fighting. It's just, you know, that's what they predominantly did in their uh, four episodes in the Clone Wars. So I was expecting at least, you know, a little more action than maybe that was in there. But, I mean, overall, I really liked the the episode. I think it's going to be really good, and I'm excited for the rest of the series. One last question I have is Omega is supposed to be the fifth special clone, right? We don't know what her powers are yet, so like, what's her deal going to be? She's female. I mean, she can sit there oh, and I think she's more sensitive. <laughs> You're telling me her special ability is she is a female. <laughs> she's a girl. Oh, my God. Like, that's... Oh what? Uh, <laughs> going through your stuff. So is she the last clone that they're going to make? Is that the insinuation? Or the last one they're going to name? Well, they have other clones. We have other clones. We saw the little baby clones in their little pods. Um, Listen, Tarkin was ready with a crowbar to take them out, if you didn't realize that. That's true. So either she is the last clone, or she will be the end of the clones. She is the reason that the clones end. That that are that's my and she's force sensitive on that. She's either the last clone. I think she's force sensitive. That's that is my yeah. Theory. I'm on the team that she's not force sensitive. I think she just she's very perceptive. No, I, I agree with Blake. I think this is going to be the first time the Kaminoans. I think they're going to be able to 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 clone a force sensitive being. Palpatine's going to realize what a threat that is. Take that technology for himself and say screw the Kaminoans. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, oh, I don't know how I feel about it, but I I believe she is force sensitive. She has a way of knowing things that she shouldn't know. She has a way of sensing things she shouldn't be able to sense. She just seems to have that kind of Jedi, Sith, whatever you want to call it, force sensitive thing where she knows more than she should. 
And normally when we see a character like that in Star Wars, they are Force-sensitive. There's something special yeah, about that thing she wears on her head, so I want to figure out what that is. Maybe that amplifies I don't think her connection to the Force. That has nothing. She, she takes that off in Season 2. Yeah, but she takes it off, and it's a very it's a very crucial scene where she yeah. takes it off, and she yeah. looks at it, and it's very important, yeah. obviously. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on screen. I think that's just her... I think that's just her Camino headdress. Like at that point in time in that episode, she's thinking, "I'm I can no longer be like a Kaminoan clone oh, because Lamas is okay, it Lamasu? Does anyone get a good look at the lightsaber that falls and do they recognize it? Isn't it Shock T's? I thought it was implied. That's what that I was is. thinking because Shock T wears a very similar headdress, and she's the one that's supposed to be at Kamino. So I think there's a special connection between her and Shock T, and that's why she's wearing it and it's sentimental to her. Ooh. Yeah, I was thinking of Shock T, or if it's not Shock T, I don't think it's supposed to be anyone we know. I think it's just supposed to symbolize that well, we, Jedi. We know in the Clone Wars, Shock T was the Jedi in charge of the facility. Right. So I think it's heavily implied. Yeah, but that's correct. I don't see it. Maybe. Maybe that's true, but I, I don't see Omega being some brand new clone jedi because if that were the case then we would have already been introduced to that person i don't see star wars introducing brand new key characters to the universe well i don't know that she'll be a jedi per se but she can you could be force sensitive and not be a jedi or sith i know we've had that conversation Uh, before but still i i think i think her thing is she's force sensitive so remember remember snoke in the sequel trilogy is supposedly a force sensitive cloned being right i think it all ties into how they're gonna try to add content and some kind of context to the sequel trilogy oh i see what you're saying okay all right i could see that i could totally see that i don't like it but i can see it yeah it seems like they're trying to tie in the prequels the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy all within this series. And it, it might be a good thing to tie all this stuff in together. So I, I think it's going to be a good series. I think it's going to be tying a bunch of things in. Like Diedrich was saying earlier, I think we're going to see a lot of characters that we know. I think we're going to be introduced to some new characters as well. And I think we're just going to tie everything together. So now that we've made it to the end of our first episode, let's go into the second episode of the Bad Batch. This one's not going to be nearly as long as our uh, coverage of the premiere episode because the episode itself is not as long. Some good stuff in it, though. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing pretty much the, the next 14 episodes we have left with this. Um, so this episode is called Cut and Run. And our heroes land on... God, I... Salakami? Salukamai. How do you pronounce it's not Salukamai. Yeah, you're right. No, no, Salukamai. That's it, Salukamai. I can never get it. So our heroes land on Salukamai. This is the first time Omega has ever seen dirt, grass, or blue skies. She has never, ever seen anything like this. She has only seen the creepy platforms, thunderstorms, and pterodactyl creatures on Kamino, and now she is open up to this whole new universe really for her and it's, it's a really touching scene when she gets off that ship and she experiences all this stuff for the first time yeah it's it's kind of emotional because you can kind of feel that emotion with her um so I, I i think bad batch is doing a really good job of just portraying that to us reminds me of when ray goes to takadana and she goes she's like i can never believe there'd be this much green yep it's a very similar 
very, very similar take on that. Um, but I, I failed to mention in the last episode that they were going to meet a comrade on Salukamai. And that comrade is the focal point, pretty much, of this episode. They come in contact with the deserter himself from the Clone Wars. Cut Laquan. Uh, God, how do you say it? Qu- Cut Laquan? Laquan. Laquan? So Cut and Sue Laquan are a husband and wife duo. They were in the Clone Wars series. I think it was episode, or not episode, season two, episode 10 was the deserter. And that is where Rex found um cut on Salukamai. He had pretty much renounced all of the uh the Republic stuff. The Grand Army of the Republic, he didn't want to be a part of it. He wanted nothing to do with it. He just wanted to be a farmer, have a family, and live his life. Never really thought about it until this episode, but he kinda looks like he isn't exactly a reg. Yeah, he looks way different than the other clones, and I think it's just the haircut. It may just be the haircut, but, I mean, he seemed to be very chummy with the Bad Batch, so it kind of make me, makes me wonder if he was kind of not super defective, not enough to be considered defective, but, you know, somewhat defective. Yeah, and, and it's strange to me that um, this connection between them was never brought up. You would think that Rex would have more of a connection with this couple, but they call Wrecker Uncle Wrecker. The kids do. Um, yeah, because I, I, when they when they introduced him, I'm like, okay, he looks familiar, but I was confused because we never saw the Bad Batch meet these people. We saw Rex meet them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I know every introduction we don't have to see on screen, but um, yeah, I would be I interested. Confused. I would be interested to get some context on how they met and why they why they're so chummy, why they're so friendly with one another, because. The Bad Batch have been like busy with a war. So how how many times have they come and visited Cut and his wife on Salukamai just for the fun of the it? The Separatists really wanted that planet, Blake. Yeah, they they really did. Um, so much so that Cut <laughs> he fled there because he thought it was going to be so far from the war that no one would ever find him. And as he says in the Clone Wars, so the war has finally made it to Salukamai. When you try to run away, it'll just follow you. So this episode really centers around the Hunter-Omega father-daughter relationship that we all knew was coming from the beginning of the premiere. Um, So um, Omega is experiencing all these new things. There's other kids around she can play with. She's not all business like it is on Camino, And she's having a great time. And that is something that Hunter sees and wants for her. As we get further into the episode, they have to... Uh, they're, they're trying to evacuate Salukamai. Cut and Sue do not think it is safe for them to be there with all the clone presence there and him looking just like all the other clones. It might come out that he is a deserter, he is a clone, and he needs to be dealt with. So they're going to try to to leave Salukamai, and the Bad Batch helped them obtain what we now know are chain codes. And these chain codes were meant to um, identify all the different citizens of the Galactic Republic, or excuse me, the Galactic Empire as it is now. It was a way to number everybody. So like the clones have numbers in the prequels, and they know where all the clones are. Now they're going to number the citizens of the Galactic Empire and know where everyone is all the time, know what planet you're on, know what you're doing, know your business, and that's just the nature of the Empire. I think that's another example of 
of just how things are changing so quickly because now introducing these chain codes and if you watch um the mandalorian uh, chain codes were present on during that time too so much later on so right yeah so do you guys think the bad batch would be against social security numbers Dude, I think the Bad Batch saying. are against anything that is organized tracking. Like, I think, I think, I think the Bad Batch are. are nah, I don't think they'd be against I that. Know. I don't know. Okay, Ooh. I think they'd be against tattoos. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah, what's yeah. the difference? That seems. That, what do you mean? What's the difference? You can't be scammed. They don't ask for your social social security number to get on an airplane. They don't ask for your social security number when you pass states. They don't ask for your social security number when you go from country to country. That's There's true. a huge difference. What we're talking about is something that the Nazis tried to introduce. And I th- is that not a part of like getting your passport though? And you have to give your social security number when you get your driver's license. Uh, yeah, to your state. But if you want to go from state, the whole point of these chain codes. Maybe I missed something, but it seemed very. It seemed to me that the whole point of the chain codes were, anytime you wanted to travel from planet to planet, anytime you wanted to travel on public transport, anytime you wanted to travel, you have to give your social security number to them. That's not how it works in the real life. That's not what a I can actually agree does. with Andrew on this point. I know me and Andrew really don't agree a lot. This is this is a nice change of pace. I, I like it. it. It feels nice. I feel warm and fuzzy. I feel warm and fuzzy, Andrew. I feel warm and fuzzy. Um, <laughs> so the the point is not to make them give it every time they do something. They wanted them to get a chain code. They want to create this galactic-wide registry of citizens. But you have to have that chain code to go anywhere. I, I think the galactic... Yeah, you literally have the scene of that guy being prevented from getting on the shuttle because he doesn't have the, his The Empire code. is tracking everybody. They want to know where all of their assets are. That That's kind of how I see it. Which I, I when you, when you actually, Blake, I'll be honest, when you put it like that, it does kind of sound similar to social security numbers because you do have to show your passport every single time you go somewhere. Well, they do have to different track country, that you're and the that's, country. That's more of a safety issue, I think, with the country. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a whole different that's debate. That's true. Yeah, yeah, true, but true, true. It's so not I, I'm pretty sure it's a slippery slope type of deal. So it's the same thing. Agreed. It's the same thing. I agree. Let's just say. Let's just be honest. It's the same thing. Um, but the uh, they uh, same same. So the Bad Batch help um, cut and sue with their kids obtain these chain codes, and Tech does his tech thing where he knows computers and science and all that stuff, uses his big brain deformity or whatever it is to get the chain codes and program them to, um, to cut Sue and their kids. And also he makes a chain code for Omega because Hunter wants Omega to go with cut and Sue so she can experience a real family, a normal life and to get away from all the madness that is the bad batch. That was kind of messed up, you know, because that he took he he took her from Camino, and then like the next day he's like, uh, actually, never mind. Here, you can go with this family. Like, tries to pawn her off to this other family. Well, <laughs> I think it was more of she has to get off Camino because she's in danger. She's one of us. She is not normal. So they're gonna probably take her out. Like, I think he was more worried about Tarkin taking her out. That is why they were in such a rush to get back to Camino to get her. And now that he's found Cut and Sue, and they're they're a nice normal family, he's a clone. He knows what she's going through to some point. 
that that might be where she belongs. Like I think it was very selfless of him because he's very attached to Omega. I mean, he you can tell even at this point yeah. he's attached to her. I think the we call it the prime minister or you know at the Kaminoans. That was uh, skater dude Kaminoan. Skater dude yeah. Kaminoan. Yeah, them. Yeah. Him and the the woman, I don't I forget her name too. Lama but, Sue. Uh yeah, I, I think they would have tried to protect her because they, they valued her for some reason. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I don't know where, the, like, halfway through the premiere episode, they just kind of vanished, to be honest. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I, I think it was very big of Hunter to do that. And it, it really gives you these, like, 90s uh, sitcom kind of vibes where um, you, you have a character who's going through something, and then there's the, the parental figure who's not really the parent, but they love this child, and they want the best for them. And it, it was really just a a growth episode for Hunter and Omega. They're coming into their own as the father-daughter archetype for this series. Definitely. Definitely. You say 90s, I say every Star Wars movie yeah, ever. That's a good, well, that's a good point, too. I mean, Obi-Wan takes on Luke, and Luke takes on... Well, not really, though. Han... I mean, that's just the Han, Jedi role. Han really takes it's the whole on point of being a Jedi. Um, you're right. That seems to be a growing theme in Star Wars. So, um, they get the chain codes... But Omega doesn't want to go with Cut and Sue. It makes sense. She is attached to the Bad Batch. They are her idols. So in the end, she ends up leaving Cut and Sue, risking her life, and getting away with the Bad Batch. They leave Salukamai, and who knows where they're going next. Um, that leads us into the third episode that will be released next Friday, May 14th. I would just like to point out you skipped over a really big detail that I thought was awesome. Uh, one of the little Twilight kids, Jack, was played by uh, Kath Susie, who also plays Phil and Lil from Rugrats. And I don't know if anybody is as old as I am, but it was so yeah. obvious. Yeah, they definitely had the Phil and Lil kind of voice. Um, yes, that is amazing. Little Jack is Phil and Lil together. Jack, we'll call him Little Jack from now on. Maybe we'll have Jack. a rap career like in the uh, Star Wars universe. I hope he comes back, dude. <laughs> Coming live from Malacor, Little Jack, baby. <laughs> I like that. That may be the first time we see a little mixed um, alien human baby. Oh, dude, I didn't even realize that that was yep. a mixed baby. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that concept that, that maybe this is the first time we've seen that, but you're right. Or, no, it's not the first time. You have Jason Sandula, the child of another Twi'lek, um, Hera Sandula, and Kane and Jarrus, or Caleb Doom, whatever you want to call him. Twi'leks be getting the, around. The, the Twi'leks seem to be the compatible species with humans. And Jabba the Hut, <laughs> and Jabba the Twi'lek. <laughs> God, try to try to imagine like a hut and a human together. Ugh, that would be like. Oh no! Uh. I don't know. I don't know. I know some people who kind of look like that, so I can't really. Eh. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! Or or at Walt Disney World in a little bike shorts. It's like ah. Anyway. <laughs> oh my God, dude. so before we wrap this thing up does anyone else have anything to say about the bad batch series 
what kind of uh, start we're getting off to these first two episodes. Anything before we close out the convo station? <laughs> yeah, uh, I overall I've enjoyed everything I've seen so far because it, it feels like a mini Star Wars movie, doesn't it? Just everything we've seen with amazing animation, various emotions, including a lot of darkness as well as a well-timed humor. I think that's kind of what they were going for with that first episode, an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, it's it's a, it's it's a movie, like it really is. Yeah. And, you know, since since Order of 66, you know, really the Bad Batch, they're the, really the only air quote clones with humanity left. Uh, the, the Order stole the humanity of the clones and turned them into numbers. And in fact, they don't even take their helmets off. In fact, cuz uh, when Crosshair when they engage Crosshair in the hangar, Crosshair keeps his helmet on. So I think that's just another sign of, of just like the them losing their humanity after activating the chip. Yeah, I think that is the biggest point of this series is there are four clones now because Crosshair has turned to the dark side. Um, there are four clones that can resist the inhibitor chip. They do not have that problem, and we're gonna see their story. Well, actually, I guess there's more than four because you got Rex and you got Gregor and you got Wolf. But um, we're focusing on the Bad Batch in this series. So the Bad Batch can resist this chip. We're going to see what they do next. I mean, it, it's really an open book. Like, who knows what they're going to do? Are they going to help start the Rebellion? I mean, we know the Rebellion really doesn't come into its own for another, like, 15 years at this point. So what are they going to do? Like, that that is that is the burning question that I have. What are they going to do next? And I cannot wait to see what happens. They're going to kill some people. Kill some people, blow up some ships. So, for all the connections, Saul Guerrero, Caleb Doom, um, Governor, excuse me, not Governor yet, uh, I guess Admiral Tarkin at this point, all these connections, we have all this new stuff. We have Omega. We have the Bad Batch. We have Crosshair turning to the evil side. He is now a... Um, Galactic Empire Stooge, all of this stuff is culminating into what is going to be an amazing series. I think it's going to be one for the books. So with that, let's turn it over to the Jedi Grandmaster himself for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. <laughs> Dapa Balaba! The word of the week is. <laughs> Great word of the week, Master Yoda. I think you're kind of making fun of me now because I was very proud of myself for uh, pronouncing that name right. I, I practiced before we uh, we got on. <laughs> it's such a weird name, though. Depa Balaba. Like, it, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. It's like something my three-year-old would come up with, but... So that is another great episode of Dork Wars, the podcast. We'd like you to check us out on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram page. We're everywhere. Just type in Dork Wars, the podcast, and you will find all of our socials. We'd like to hear from you. So go and comment on our stuff. Go and like our stuff, our pictures, our posts, everything that we have. We would like to hear from you, the fans. So Dork Lords, get out there and do your part. Share us if you like our show. If you know someone who likes Star Wars, let them know about our show, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. 
You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars The Podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a It Doesn't Need a Little Blue Pill production.